February 6, 2024, regular meeting of the Municipal Transportation Agency Board of Directors and Parking Authority Commission. Please call the roll. On the roll, Director Heminger. Here. Heminger present, Director Henderson. Here. Henderson present, Director Hinsey. Present. Hinsey present, Director Tarlow. Present. Tarlow present, Chair Eakin. Here. Eakin present. Director Kahina and So are expected to join us later today. For the record, I'd note that Director Hinsey is attending this meeting remotely. Director Hinsey is reminded that she must appear on camera throughout the meeting and in order to speak or vote on any items. Please see you in item number three. The ringing and use of cell phones and similar sound-producing electronic devices are prohibited at this meeting. The chair may order the removal from the meeting room, any person responsible for the ringing or use of a cell phone, or other similar sound-producing electronic device. Places you on item number four, approval of minutes for the January 16 regular meeting. Thank you. Directors, are there any changes to the January 16 minutes? Director Tarloff, did you have your hand for this item? Okay. Uh, not seeing any comments from directors, I'll open it to public comment for item four. Okay, we can close public comment. And colleagues, is there a motion and a second on the minutes? So moved. Second. Thank you. Please call the roll. On the motion to approve the minutes, Director Heminger. Aye. Heminger, aye. Director Henderson. Aye. Henderson, aye. Director Hinsey. Aye. Hinsey, aye. Director Tarlow. I was not here, so I think I should abstain. Okay, thank you, Director um, Chair Eakin. Aye. Eakin, aye. The minutes are approved. Places you on item number five, communications. I have none. Moving on to item number six, introduction of new or unfin unfinished business by board members. Directors, is there any new or unfinished business today? Okay, seeing none, none from Director Hensey. We can close item six. Very good. Places you in item seven, the director's report. Dr. Tomlin. Happy almost Lunar New Year. Year of the Dragon starts February 10th. Um, and uh, because this is one of the biggest seasons of celebration in San Francisco, Muni is getting ready. Um, we're happy to announce that Supervisor Connie Chan introduced legislation to the Board of Supervisors to use $500,000 in funds appropriated for APEC in order to fund one hour of free or two hours of free parking at the Portsmouth Square Garage this month, plus a free day of Muni uh, on the day of the Chinese New Year Parade, which is February 24th. So we're encouraging everyone to come into San Francisco uh, to enjoy the parade, but also to spend the entire day exploring San Francisco's amazing neighborhoods. Uh, because you'll be able to get to them all free on Muni, with the exception of cable car. Uh, I want to also talk about a couple of interesting projects that we are working on. Uh, we have been partnering with the Port of San Francisco uh, and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers uh, on the uh, San Francisco Waterfront Flood Study Draft Plan, which was released in late January. Uh, we have been an active partner in the waterfront resilience um, effort, which is focused on the seven and a half miles of San Francisco waterfront from Fisherman's Wharf to Heron's Head, uh, which happens to include a variety of critical muni yards and some key muni infrastructure, like the giant portal in the Embarcadero Roadway at Folsom Street or the grates at the BART station uh, 
at Embarcadero uh, or the giant ventilation structure uh, on the ferry plaza, um, all of which is vulnerable not only to sea level rise, but also to seismic risk. So we're very happy that the port has taken the lead together with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to make sure that we can protect all of this vital infrastructure. We were also separately recently awarded a planning grant from Caltrans to develop a master plan for the whole multimodal transportation network, all modes of transportation, from Aquatic Park um, to Mission Creek. So we'll be able to get moving on that in coordination uh, with our active communities plan as well as Muni Forward. Um, we're also happy that the port and MTA staff will be bringing to you an info item on all of this work um, at the March 5th board meeting. Uh, also wanted to follow up, uh, last week we had the first of our board budget workshops. Thank you to all of you for putting up with us for a full day and to members of the audience uh, who were also present. We have a long list of follow-up action items from that meeting uh, and will staff are currently working on that. Um, and a reminder that um, our CFO, Brian Bohorder, will be making her next budget presentation here uh, on March 5th, focused on the capital plan. Uh, next up, it is February, and so that is Black History Month. Um, and I wanted to acknowledge um, some of the key individuals who shape my work here as the executive director, um, starting a long time ago with Charlotte Brown and Mary Ellen Pleasant, whose work fighting multiple times all the way to the California Supreme Court ensured that everyone has access to public transportation here in San Francisco, actually throughout the state of California since the late 19th century. Um, I also want to acknowledge a particular hero of mine who is Curtis Green, um, the first black general manager uh, of Muni, um, who together with Welton Flynn, who was the first black uh, head of the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission, revolutionized transit in the 1970s, completed the subway, uh, used design to not only invent the Muni Worm lo logo, but to use good design throughout the entire agency to instill pride and a sense of progress um, and progressivism uh, throughout the system. Uh, uh, Curtis Green lived through a period of incredibly rapid change in his leadership, both outward into the city, but particularly inward to the staff, um, made Muni what it is today and is one of the many giants upon whose shoulders um, I stand. Um, and of course, there are so many other uh, black heroes who are associated um, with the agency from Maya Angelou, who was a, uh, a uh, uh, streetcar conductor, to Dorothy James, who um, helped uh, champion universal accessibility throughout the agency in the 70s, and Audley Cole, who was the first black streetcar operator in San Francisco in 1941, and um, whose hard time being accepted here is a reminder that um, our work is never done in making sure that all of our workforce feels uh, respected and welcome and indeed has a long career path here at the SFMTA. Um, next up, I just want to acknowledge um, we had um, some stormy weather this last weekend. Uh, there were a lot of trees that came down and a fair amount of uh, flooding and damage. Um, and yet, I'm very happy to say that there was minimum infrastructure damage here at the SFMTA. 
Uh, our workforce out in the field is scrappy and knows how to deal with things like trees coming down, but I particularly want to acknowledge the work that our maintenance crews and particularly the Department of Public Works did in preparing for this uh, week's storm. Uh, we've had a couple of winters now with some pretty significant storms, uh, previous storms. Uh, we lost uh, some really big trees that took out a lot of our overhead line infrastructure. Um, Public Works um, and their arborist crews, but also their street cleaning crews have been able to get ahead of some of these problems. Uh, and the result of that work uh, showed up over the weekend uh, when we um, had far fewer service disruptions than we had expected. Uh, and finally, I just want to acknowledge uh, we are gearing up for a major event that is happening this Sunday. Uh, so we are, of course, prepared. And uh, today, um, all of the header signs uh, for all of our vehicles throughout the system were reprogrammed to allow our operators to have the header sign flash, go Niners. Mm -hmm. That is all I have. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Tumlin. Colleagues, are there questions or comments on the director's report? Dr. Henderson, please go ahead. Thank you, Chair. I just have a question for you, Jeff, about the um, waterfront draft plan. Um, last night, I know I was invited to a Bayview Merchants meeting. I wasn't able to go. I know there was some staff that was there. They were talking about, I think, the stretch of third where the bridge will have, where DPW has a project. And so I'm curious if that also, if that stretch is also part of this waterfront draft plan or is it everything east of that part of the street? Yes, so the Third Street Bridge over Islaus Creek, just right. north of Bayview, um, is a DPW project uh, that is a current project. It is being planned in order to accommodate sea level rise, um, but it needs to be done um, now. now. Mm -hmm. Uh, because okay. the foundations for that bridge uh, are in jeopardy. Okay. Um, and it's also one of the key places where the T-3rd um, suffers some reliability problems because that bridge is a drawbridge. Mm -hmm. uh, and it it is settling a bit and the tracks get misaligned and our trains get stuck. So one of the things where we have worked with the Department of Public Works is to rethink the design of that bridge so that it can look historic and be a landmark for the Bayview, but also be a fixed bridge to improve the reliability of the T since there are no longer clipper ships sailing mm -hmm. up the Islaus Creek Channel to the wastewater treatment plant. Okay. so. Um so that that I guess what I should expect is that the work that will be done on that bridge will happen before yes. this plan for the waterfront goes in. Yes, okay. and we'll we'll also want to um, have Public Works come um, and and brief this board mm -hmm. um, because that project will have significant impacts on the Bayview, and we are taking the lead at, at doing everything possible to maintain access to the Bayview by all modes of transportation, mm -hmm. even while that critical infrastructure work. Great, um, I, I'm particularly interested in the, um, the uh, process for the, the plan too, the waterfront plan too, because I think that um, was well, super critical and there's so much, there's so many yards over there. So mm -hmm. I um, hope to hear more when you, after the meetings happen. We're hap we happy to um, not only present, but also uh, if you want detailed briefings or field trips yeah. out to see some of our yards, uh, particularly this time of the year at high tide, 
uh, we can show you the intensity of the issues that we are facing, uh, particularly at the um, Islay's Creek bus yard. Thank you, Director Henderson. Director Hensey, please. Thank you, Madam Chair. Yes, good news around uh, the uh, Lunar New Year um, parking and, and free reuni. I, I just, I know last time we did this, we had a very uh, short turnaround from when we heard about this and when we could so we weren't able to get the word out as much as we wanted to. Uh, so now that we have almost a full month, I just wanted to make sure that there there was uh, adequate outreach, adequate outreach going on to the Asian com community, and that we're leveraging our our partners to get the get the word out. I've always I've already seen some organizations try to get the word out, but. Yes, these, these sorts of community celebrations are only as good as people know about them. So we will be doing what we can, which is fairly limited, um, but we're very grateful to have many community partners who worked hard in order to get the funding necessary in order to do these changes. And so we'll be partnering with many of them uh, in order to make sure that folks know uh, 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 to, to come into San Francisco and enjoy um, the New Year festivities. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Director Hensey. Are there other questions or comments from colleagues on the director's report? Okay, seeing none, uh, I just wanna make one comment on the, um, the board workshop and I reached out to Director Tumlin to share this feedback, uh, but just wanted to share with, with everyone else that I just came away from uh, <laughs> the workshop. If I had sort of one word to describe it, it would be finally. <laughs> Um, that we are finally getting some things going that I think this board has envisioned um, in partnership with the director for many, many years. And the idea that this will be the year, right, that we can do credit card payment on Muni. Mm -hmm. This will be the year potentially we can look at things, progressive policies like fair capping. This will be the year we're looking at a, mer a real Muni merch um, initiative. I mean, it was just sort of like pinching ourselves. And <laughs> Cell phone coverage in the subway? What's that? Cell phone coverage in the subway? Cell phone coverage in the subway. Um, you know, it's almost like uh, you've been listening to the board of directors. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, but really, it was, just, it was so energizing to, to have you share what's ahead for this year with this board um, and with the community. Uh, and it just felt like we are really getting things on track. And I just want to congratulate you for so many. I mean, of course, we talked extensively and through the film about all of the progress uh, with running Muni and all of the incredible 89% reduction in delays, you know, in that film. Um, so just just a huge sense of accomplishment um, and optimism, really, for the for the future. Um, and then I just wanted to say one more thing, which is that we did have this board, of course, share our top three priorities for the year. And then Director Tumlin, I thought you did a great job at the end summarizing all of that feedback into sort of six themes uh, that represent and sort of encapsulate the priorities of this board. And so I just want to make sure in one of those follow-ups that we can just kind of keep those top of mind because that was just a really nice summary of sort of our intentions for, for the year ahead. So I just wanted to uplift that potential piece of feedback. Thank you. And thank you all, again, all the staff um, and the members of the public who participated and did all the prep work for the workshop. Okay, let's open public comment, please. Wait, oh, Director Heminer wants to weigh in. 
Thank you, uh, Madam Chair. Just quickly, I wanted to add an item to your list uh, for looking forward to this year. As you all know, we're a partner in the Caltrain uh, commuter rail system, which is being electrified and uh, is scheduled to open for business uh, around the end of the year. I won't get more specific than that. Um, and just to tie two thread threads together here, uh, they need to worry about trees now too, Jeff, mm -hmm. uh, because there are a lot of trees up and down that corridor, if you remember it, especially in Burlingame. There are a bunch of eucalyptus that for some reason have this enormous fan club, um, <laughs> even though they ought to be all chopped down uh, for uh, being non-native anyway. Um, so uh, that's, that's in front of them, and uh, I'm sure you all will be getting the invitations later in the year to show up and watch the electric service and the cars are really cool they've started arriving in pretty big batches uh, and uh, we hope it's going to spur some ridership growth as well because caltrain is still lagging down in the 30s and jeff we're in the 70s now aren't we well it's interesting we're in the 30s for our downtown stations so caltrain ridership is matching muni montgomery and embarcadero station ridership but our overall system ridership on average is 71, weekend is 86, and our ridership on lines like the 22 and the 49 is as high as 130. Well, let's hope they uh, keep piling on. They could solve our budget problem by showing up. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Director Heminger. I will now open it for public comment on the director's report. And Cherry, can I do have two requests for accommodation? Do you want to take those um, remote comments now or after we'll in person? Just see if anyone approaches the podium. If not, we'll close public comment for in anyone wishing to speak on the director's report, item seven in the room. Okay, so we'll close in person and, and open uh, remote. First speaker, you've been unmuted. Uh, this is Herbert Weiner. I came in late, unfortunately. Uh, hopefully, we can get the full restoration of service uh, in the near future. And uh, basically, that's my comments uh, for now. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Um, thank you. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Chair Ethan and members. Uh, Alita Dupree, for the record, she and her with Team Folds, uh, thank you for the lead to speak. Uh, good report today. Um, uh, thank you for uh, the, the mention and concern about the uh, BART, BART ventilation structure at um, Ferry Plaza. Uh, that's very, very important because we want to make sure we keep that tunnel dry uh, because I, I use that system. And I'm looking forward to the new uh, roll signs. Uh, I do not have a, a favorite team for the big game, which incidentally will be held in Las Vegas. Uh, but uh, thank you for uh, exhibiting uh, San Francisco Pride on bus roll signs, and I look forward to seeing what that looks like. So thank you for that. Uh, I am looking forward to uh, debit and credit card payments on Muni. And, and yes, I do use Clipper. And uh, I, I did ride the cable car a few days ago, and I, I think that getting the, the card payment on Muni will really help a lot of people because for some, paying for Muni was cumbersome because they didn't have Clipper. So uh, let's work on that. 
And, and I am pleased in hearing about the ridership, 71% aggregates, uh, which is very, very good. Uh, it's about or almost what we're seeing in New York, uh, and 86% on the weekends. Uh, I want more people to come back to Muni. Uh, this is very, very important, and it's not just about money, but it's about presence, safety, and numbers. I'm going to have to go back on the 22 and experience um, the 130% uh, because I like it when other people ride the bus with me. So, so good report and thank you. Thank you. That concludes the remote comment. Okay, we'll close this item. Please call the next item. Places you on item number eight, the Citizens Advisory Council report. We actually have no report today. Places you on item number nine, general public comment. Members of the public may address the board of directors on matters that are within the board's jurisdiction, but not on today's calendar. And again, I have two uh, accommodation requests. Okay, we'll open public comment, general public comment for um, items that are not on today's agenda for anyone in the room. Hi, my name is Andrew Signer. I'm on the permit for the Hayes Street shared space uh, that where we open the street up to people every Friday and Saturday. Um, in November, you all approved that permit for another year and you also directed staff to study what a permanent street closure could look like. Uh, and that, that period was six months. We're exactly three months through that period. So I just thought it was a good moment to kind of provide an update to you all. Uh, last year, I created a website and petition carfreehaze.org to advocate for a permanent pedestrianization of Hayes Street. Uh, since then, we've gotten 1,600 signatures. We've gotten the endorsement of the Hayes Valley Neighborhood Association, Hayes Valley for All, Page Slow Street, Outer Sunset Neighbors, the SF Symphony, uh, and probably a couple others I'm forgetting. Um, pedestrian malls are showing to be successful all over the world. Cities like, like Barcelona, Paris, Copenhagen, um, but also our local peers. Um, Mountain View, Palo Alto, Redwood City, San Carlos, San Jose, San Mateo, and Sunnyvale are all succeeding at this. Um, I believe that San Francisco should be at least leading our local peers, ideally leading the, the world in this kind of work. Um, some of these pedestrian malls were complete closures. Uh, some are just a five mile per hour single lane with room for, for loading and deliveries. There's a lot of different ways we could do this. Um, and I, I say that because, you know, recently we've been learning more about uh, the budget challenges from Chair Eakin's office hours. Um, you know, our community would be very happy re with really any implementation that gives some of the street back to the people. So, you know, I believe this aligns with our transit first climate action vision zero goals. Um, and I really want to thank you all for your work on this. Thank you for your comment. Next speaker, please. Uh, good afternoon, SFMTA board and director Tumlin. My name is Robin Levitt. I'm a 30-year resident of Hayes Valley. Um, on November 7th, 2023, this board approved item 10.5, resolution 23110790 to, quote, study a potential permanent street closure of Hayes Street and report back to the board within six months, unquote. We are now halfway through that six-month period. I'm here today to reiterate my support for a 24-7 pedestrianized Hayes Street. 
the opening of streets to pedestrians and users other than motorized vehicles is consistent with San Francisco's transit first, climate action, and Vision Zero goals, as well as the recommendations outlined in the Market Itavia Area Plan, which was adopted in 2008. For over three years, repurposed Hayes Street has been a boon for Hayes Valley residents, visitors, and merchants alike, providing an oasis of calm and safety in a neighborhood with some of the worst pollution levels in the city and inundated with traffic-clogged arterial streets, including Oak, Fell, Franklin, Gough, and Octavia Boulevard. Fairness dictates that if our streets are going to continue to serve as traffic sewers, in exchange, the community deserves traffic-free space as a respite from pollution, noise, and the perpetual threat of being hit by motor vehicles. Please establish a per permanent pedestrian's Hay Street, pedestrianized Hay Street, and reaffirm San Francisco as a global leader in mobility, climate policy, and pedestrian safety. Thank you very much for your consideration. Thank you. Are there any other speakers in the room? Go ahead. Good afternoon. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, my name is John Motlow. I'm a resident of the Richmond District. I've lived in the Richmond District for over 30 years. Over 35 years, it's shocking. Um, <laughs> and I'm a native of the Bay Area. I have a question to all of you. I uh, have been trying to find the financial reports for SFMTA. I've gone to the webpage. I have typed in budget. I've typed in financial reports. And all I'm trying to do is find whatever the current year is, or the most recent concluded current year. I don't know if you're on a fiscal year. I think you are, as opposed to a calendar, that compares the budget to actual results, which you would get for pretty much any company, any business. I can't find it online. And I've typed it in every different way that I can think of. Do any of you know what I should do or where I can find that information? Dr. Tomlin, do you want to address this or assign a staff member to speak to the speaker in the hallway, maybe? Uh, I think uh, uh, Brian Haxman, who's with our comms divisions right there, he can connect you with our budget team. Okay, so you can actually get me the reports. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Thank you for your comment. Uh, not seeing any other speakers in the room for general public comment. Could you please um, open the remote? First speaker. This is Herbert Weiner. I wish to express concern for the proposed 25%, 25 cent, excuse me, high community bus fares. I think that's the worst possible situation where you're throwing the passengers under the bus. There must be other ways of economy. For instance, you can postpone some of your projects. And in the last resort, Management facilities should be fixed uh, at above 100,000. In other words, managers who make over 100,000 a year should have their salaries frozen. This is one way of economizing expenses. Now, I've heard about budgetary crisis for the last 20 years. 
and I have a feeling that you're Clark Wolf, but if that is not the case, I think you should freeze the other project and possibly salary in order to make your proclaimed deficit. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Um, thanks again, uh, Chair Amanda Eakin and members. Uh, Alita Dupree, for the record, she and her with Team Folds, as I speak generally. Um, I did get to back on the cable car uh, last week, as I said before. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think I should go back to the cable car museum. I've been there like five or six times. Uh, the main matter I'm going to bring up, I'm going to disclose to you, I don't know how you're going to take it, uh, is that I used an autonomous vehicle last week. I took a little two-mile ride to Fisherman's Wharf, rode in a car without a driver. I really enjoyed it. I ask, though, uh, that you not withdraw my welcome from Muni, uh, because there are a lot of people who don't like autonomous vehicles. I could lose some friends over this. But I'm going to keep on using autonomous vehicles, regardless of the world may think. And I did send a text with a video to some people very close to me, and they enjoyed it. Uh, but at the same time, I, I also uh, will continue to have Muni in my toolbox, hence the cable car and the buses and the subway. Uh, I, I am concerned about acrimony uh, in the community. But what was really nice is that the autonomous vehicle didn't care that I wear a skirt doesn't care that I'm disabled, doesn't care that I'm a veteran. So if that autonomous car without a driver can welcome me, I want to keep my Muni welcome because I do speak respectfully at your meetings and I do pay fair and follow the rules of conduct. And I, as I said, I really enjoyed the cable car. And when I come back to San Francisco, along with some autonomous vehicle rides, I am going to get on Muni again and use it. Thank you. Thank you. Chair, can we do have one speaker card for Michael Adams? Okay, please go ahead. Thank you. I think this is not on the agenda, so am I at the right time? That's right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Uh, <clears throat> I'm with <clears throat> Advocates for City College Access Opportunity for Education. As you know, it's a commuter school. People do drive their cars there, try to find a parking place. I don't know how many of you are pilots, but you've heard of the go-around process where the plane is trying their land and there's too much traffic. And that's the intersection of Frito Callaway and Ocean. It's a terrible intersection. I'm a city planner, I, I understand. I don't know who designed that, <laughs> but it's a terrible thing. So what happens to those of you and us who drive cars we're circling, we're doing the go-around, and that's annoying the, the neighbors. Uh, we've heard from the polite language of the staff, I got no complaints about their approach, and appear to be listening. <clears throat> now we're hearing about permit parking for residents, which then drives those commuters from Richmond or Mission or wherever farther away from the parking places they're looking for. There's an old strategy of, of compromise. 
Uh, we heard at the last uh, encounter with them that they've reduced the number of parking places taken from 60 to 33, and we're supposed to act like that's a victory. And the, there's another notion you might want to think about is to put parking um, per permit only on Frida Kahlo Way for the customers at City College and Riordan. There's only two destinations on that street. So I want you to really please consider what that does and think of the go around and how that impacts the neighbors and burns up gasoline looking for that place. 33 parking places that turn over every 15 minutes is a lot more than 33. And so please, 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 please pay attention to that. There Thank are other you. ways to create that network of bicycles. Thank you for Thank being Thank you here. so much. Okay, any other speakers on general public comment? Seeing none, we'll close this item and please call the next item. Director, as that places you on item 10, your consent calendar. These items are considered to be routine and will be acted upon by a single vote unless a member of the Board of Public wishes to consider an item separately. For all speakers providing public comment, please identify which item number you are speaking to. Item 10.1, approving various routine parking and traffic modifications as listed under items A through I in the agenda. Item 10.2, approving class two bikeways, bicycle lanes on Treasure Island, Clipper Cove Avenue, Seven Seas Avenue, Trade Winds Avenue and Treasure Island Road, and on Yerba Buena Island, Yerba Buena Road, consistent with the Treasure Island Transportation Implementation Plan and making environmental review findings. Item 10.3, amending transportation code division two, section 702, to reduce the speed limit on the following seven city street segments. Clipper Street between Douglas Street and a point approximately 280 feet easterly, Diamond Heights Boulevard between Clipper Street and Sussex Street, John Muir Drive between Skyline Boulevard and a point approximately 2,500 feet south southeasterly, Geary Boulevard between Presidio Avenue and Wood Street, Geary Expressway between Gough Street and Presidio Avenue, John Muir Drive between the county line and a point approximately 3,300 feet northwesterly, and Mansell Street between Visitation Avenue and Persia, Persia Avenue. That concludes your consent calendar. Thank you. Um, colleagues, are there any clarifying questions or comments on the consent calendar? Director Henderson. Yes, I have a question about item 10.2. Um, I was just wondering, I saw in that that the capital costs are borne by the developer, but then MTA will take over afterwards. And I'm curious, is that something that is negotiated? as part of the development agreement, or is that um, legislated? I am looking to my team. <laughs> my small uh, director of planning for SFMTA. And I'm looking to my team a little bit as well. <laughs> um, thank you for the question. Maya Small, the planning director at SFMTA. Um, so through this process, um, that is all worked out in the agreements themselves. Okay. Um, and so there's a lot of conversation about who's going to be maintaining what in very specific ways. So I don't know if there's something specific you wanted us to look to on Treasure Island no. or no, not, respond not, to. Not specific, but I just was curious as we see, you know, this... Um, this is a long-term process, master plan uh, yeah. over there, and I think that there may be um, other opportunities or other areas where, uh, other parts of the city where we do this sort of master planning process and have, mm -hmm. you know, have transformation. And so I'm just curious if 
going forward, or you know, if this is something that we should expect to come across the board as um, as negotiated as part of the development agreements, or do you, or, you know, or is this is there an an ordinance or some sort of law that requires some that the clarity. that the development team take on that initial cost and then the MTA takes on the maintenance. Yeah, and some of it also depends on whether it's a private street or whether mm -hmm. it's a public street, okay. whether it ends up being accepted into um, the city. And so some of this, you know, this has been a, a little bit of an, and we've done a lot of development agreements over the last couple of decades. Um, there have been different ideas about who should be doing maintenance during those sort of eras as things get created. And so when the development agreements come forward, that is the moment really of making a lot of that kind of clarity on who's going to be responsible for what over time. Mm -hmm. So I'd say there there has been in the past a little more of a shift towards private maintenance to kind of take the burden off of the city, not mm -hmm. really knowing exactly what the resources of the city are going to be. But then it changes the nature of public access. So we've seen that also with open right. space as well as streets. And so do we have trust in the future, for example, that the private interests are still going to make that space available to the public, that the public still has the, the ability to make decisions, and that there can be future legislation that would potentially change the nature of mm -hmm. that street. So there's a balance between cost, which we don't want to burden the city with, um, and maintenance and responsibilities, but also then access and decision making. That's so good. that's that's, that's one of the challenges. Thank yeah. you, thank you. That's helpful. And then my other question, which may be for you, Maya, I'm not sure, um, is in there are a couple of different types of bike lanes that are selected for this project, and I'm just curious, you know, what is the process for? determining class two versus class four on treasure island specifically mm -hmm. yes so treasure island um it, you know the actual approval of the transportation plan was originally in 2011 so the first designs came forward uh. in 2006 we basically worked on it for a long time mm -hmm. and that's really where the most of the decision making space is in the development agreement process so we have other ones coming forward stonestown will be coming forward there are other projects that sometimes come back and like to renegotiate things and that's an opportunity for us to have a larger influence again uh, once the approval is done, it's sort of like the entitlement as well as the legal agreements, as well as it's, it's a contract with the city. And so we really are beholden to that particular process. So what happens after that is we have this very long, in this case with Treasure Island, about 13 years, where we were going from that high-level conceptual schematic ideas, lines on a map, mm -hmm. to real facility, right? Really, like, so the facility types have been more or less figured out. But what does that really mean on the street? How does that really mean for safety, for how the, you know, the paint is done, or whatever you know, physical things are being built in? Um, so there is some space in which things can change, but really we have to hold to that agreement. And so now as things are coming forward through legislation, you know, it's really having to kind of, you know, stick back to that 2011. So the, the decision-making space is extremely narrow. It's mostly in the engineering process the mm -hmm. decision happens. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's tricky because these projects take such a long time that I like to think of it more as moments of influence mm -hmm. that we can kind of have these, like, you know, adjustments because the way that we live now might be different than what we exactly. wanted, you know, 15, 20 years ago. So I'd say Mission Bay is another good example of that. Right. So part of this in, in my I have a group, the development um, and transportation integration team, um, where it's really their responsibility to make sure that before the development agreements happen, that we are as involved and engaged as an agency with our priorities and we can build our standards into it. Um, and then from that point on, we're, it's really massaging and keeping to mm -hmm. those standards. Okay. So that's what we're working towards to make that as an effective process as possible. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Thank Jay. you, Director Henderson. Director Heminger, please. 
Thank you, Madam Chair, and let me just say uh, amen. Um, I, I basically wanted to raise the same set of issues, so I appreciate your doing so. I appreciate the, the responses, and maybe this is a bit of a learning opportunity here, because as I understand it, the item on our consent agenda is basically approving a bunch of bike lanes that have already been built, um, and that's sort of back-assward, uh, <laughs> to put it mildly. Well, it's, um, it's codifying. So I think... Well, yeah, we used to have, and look, I apologize for those of you who've heard this story before, but some of you are new, so I can recycle material. Um, <laughs> you know, when I used to work in City Hall for a guy named Quentin Cop, who's still uh, uh, walking around the streets of San Francisco, um, the Board of Supervisors had this nomenclature that they would put on resolutions, and it's ratification of action previously taken. And every time, he would just go nuts on them. And eventually, he just decided to vote against anything that had that tag. Um, I don't think I'm that far along the path. But I do hope we could figure out a better way of getting this board involved early enough for it to matter. And to the extent that opportunities arise to re-leverage that we take advantage of them. Um, now, as I understand it, this development agreement came to this board for mm -hmm. approval, right? When I say this, though, it was a completely different, different. board. None of us were here. Right. Um, and that's partly just how slow uh, TI's been in moving. Um, but I think it's also an indication that we need more than one chance 13 years ago uh, to say what the thing looks like. Um, and Vision Zero, all, the, all that stuff didn't exist. Uh, so I, I hope we could figure out a way to bring those issues forward sooner uh, so that we can have policy input and that we're not just ratifying actions previously taken. So put that in your inbox, will you, Mr. <laughs> Director? Thank you, uh, Director Hemminger, and I guess, I guess I will just sort of say that I tend to agree that this, this feels like a backwards process. So would you mind just helping us understand what kind of what specifically the board did adopt in 2011, which by definition can't be the same as this board because we can only serve 12-year terms. Um, so just what did the board approve essentially the same map that's in that staff report? More or less. Today? It's very, very close. And I think there's one facility that's been upgraded a little bit. But other than that, it's more or less the same um, with some minor modifications because over 13 years, some of the other you know aspects of the plan changed. This is a capital process and the developers. Actually, it's surprising. Treasure Island is almost is very close to what it originally was. There are other projects that change considerably more. Um, I will just say that, you know, once that adoption happens, there is very little decision-making space. So um, hopefully these projects, we want to get them out of the ground more quickly. I think we also want to make sure the standards are very, very clear, and I would love to really um, kind of look at those a little bit more, more closely. And I think in the Active Communities Plan, we'll set some standards that will probably also help with that so that we can really project, you know, what we want into the beginning of the process. With all development, the earlier the better, and the later it's almost impossible to do the the complexity of doing the horizontal work once the approvals is done is so, it's just so massive. So it's the same way of like kind of doing an entitlement going into the, you know, site permit and the building permit and all these other following permits. These permits are just chasing the fact that the design is more or less already and pretty much in place. So the standards are really key. Okay, thank you for talking about standards. I think that's a great direction to go. Director Heminger? 
I, I apologize for double dipping, but um, I did do a little bit of research for this item, and I went back and listened to our debate about it in November. Um, and there were a couple of different motions approved, but one of the motions said that we wanted to have a comprehensive review of the whole TI, YBI, transportation network, not just a couple of bike lanes. And that was agreed to. So I, I hope we can get that sometime in the near future so that this board, if we're ever called upon uh, to deliberate about this project again, uh, will be much better informed than we are now. I know that uh, the folks at Treasure Island and Taida would be happy to also host uh, members of the board over at Treasure Island. I take the ferry pretty frequently. It's an easy trip. It's really wonderful to see. A lot of it has been built. Um, I don't think there are a few pieces that would be exactly how we'd want them now, but, you know, things change. It's going to be a city of ten to 20,000 people. I'm sure that there will need to be improvements in the future. So it's important to also note things that could happen at some, you know, later date. Muni to the ferry, yes. Uh, there's also the opportunity to meet up in the East Bay uh, and bike from Oakland to Treasure Island and take the ferry back and meet up uh, at the 25 bus on Treasure Island for those who don't want to have the long bike ride. But <laughs> That is part of my commute from time to time since I live in the East Bay, so I go through there fairly frequently. I would recommend doing it in the um, east to west direction for the time being, though. Um, okay, I just had a question or two on item 10.3, unless there are other, other board comments on 10.2. Um, okay, so I'm not sure which staff member is in the room, maybe Ted Graff or some others. Um, so just to, under, just to help sort of everyone understand what this is, we had... AB 43, which allowed us to reduce speeds on certain commercial districts, but it was quite limited. This is a separate process that allows us to periodically survey streets and decide if we can lower the speed limits to increase our safety, uh, achieve our safety goals. I just wanted you to maybe just speak to that so everyone understands sort of what this is. And then also, if we are still, this is a broader question, and at some point I know <laughs> Cleveland Knowles is going to jump in and say that's too much. But I, I, I just, just again, for continuous improvement, if we are still constrained in our ability to lower speed limits significantly. And just reading that line in the staff report, we are, we are lowering these speed limits because the prevailing speed of cars is low enough to allow us to. Talk about backwards, how backwards does that feel from a Vision Zero standpoint? I understand that's existing state law, so this is just sort of a bigger maybe question for you about continued legislative agenda. AB 43 was a huge step forward and just reading this staff report in that language quite honestly makes my blood boil. Um, so I just want to have you understand, explain what's going on here and then sort of how we're thinking about these restrictions at a bigger bigger. Sure. Uh, Ted Graff, Acting Streets Director. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, I wasn't able to be joined by one of our engineers to speak to this directly. But from a high level, these are basically expired surveys that um, need to be renewed uh, as they expire. Uh, and in this instance, there were a number of streets surveyed, and the speed limits were such that we were able to, to lower them. Uh, this is typically something in the past. These, this is actually the first batch we've brought to you since COVID-19 of these expired um, uh, surveys. Uh, and it does tie to AB 43 uh, in that um, it is reducing speed limits. Um, they are These speed limits, based on these surveys, are actually done by radar. Um, and um, it allows us to lower these speed limits by up to five miles per hour um, for each 
each of these speed limits. Um, we typically would bring, in the past, we've historically brought these to you every year, like a batch of these every year. Um, but since we haven't done these since COVID, we're gonna be bringing these back to you more frequently. Okay, and maybe just at the Vision Zero Committee later this month, we can just talk a little bit more about this and if there are continued state legislative changes we need, how to make sure we're sure. pursuing those. I think that'd be a, an excellent forum to, to raise that and how do we prioritize these as well. Okay, thank you so much. Did you wanna to speak to this, Jeff? I would just complain about the state and that's probably inappropriate for me to do in this setting. <laughs> okay. Okay, thank you. If there are no further comments, Dr. Henderson, did you wanna speak again? One quick question on that item, and it's about outreach, so I don't think she, she might be in the back. Um, but I was wondering, I saw that there were different communities that get outreach, and I was just wondering if um, if in the staff report you can say how like about how many or like what the radius is, because I'm just curious if you got any responses, if you got one or two responses, but there's a thousand people in the outreach list, or if it's, you know, a hundred. Um, so nothing really for this specifically, but just in the future, let me know who, you know, sort of how broad the outreach goes and, and what the responses look like. And Director Henderson, that is a comment that we've heard from other board members as well in the okay. past. We're in the process of changing the format for our staff reports, and that would be a standard component because that is something that each of you want to hear. And there's a lot of work that gets done, and we don't tell you how much work was complete. I would like to open it for public comment on item 10, our consent calendar now, for anyone in the room wishing to comment. Uh, general was our last item. We've gotten through that. This is item 10 on our consent calendar. I'd like to get through the consent calendar item right now. My name is. Oh, sorry. Are you you're looking to speak on general public comment? That that we we've closed that item already. Um. So so I'm happy to let you speak, but uh, I'd like to just get through the vote on the consent calendar, and then we can come to you. Is there anyone wishing to speak on item ten? Okay. Seeing none, we'll close that and please call the roll. We need a motion. Yeah, sorry. I'll sorry, move. Motion. I'll move. And All items. Second. Thank you. Now I can call the roll. On the motion to approve, Director Heminger. Aye. Heminger, aye. Director Henderson. Aye. Henderson, aye. Director Hinsey. Aye. Hinsey, aye. Director Tarlov. Aye. Tarlov, aye. Uh, Director Kahina. Aye. Kahina, aye. Chair Egan. Aye. Egan, aye. Thank you. The consent calendar is approved. Okay, thank you. The gentleman who wanted to speak under general public comment, uh, since you made the trip down to City Hall, we'll look, go ahead and give you your two minutes. My name is Harry Bernstein. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to speak about the uh, quick build projects, uh, specifically the one at City College on Frida Kahlo Way. Quick build projects are linked to Vision Zero, which is an effort to resist, to reduce accidents and fatalities at dangerous intersections around the city. Um, that list is published. Um, safety for pedestrians and bicyclists has become part of that project. I'm here partly to focus on the proposed quick build project on Frida Kahlo Way, 
which runs from Ocean uh, North to Judson Street in front of Reardon. Um, so this is in front of the main campus of City College. You will not find this street on the list of dangerous locations because the SFMTA reported that over a period of five years, there are only five uh, accidents or collisions and not a single one involved bicycles. Um, so their project is a two-way protected bicycle lane, um, which has the side effect of eliminating all of the more than 50 parking places that run in front of the school. And uh, the school is going through, has building three projects right now. So our own parking is rather limited and we lost uh, some of the other parking before. Um, <clears throat> so what the projects have in common is that the presenters, the planners say they are accountable, they're listening, but uh, their priority is the installing the bike lanes they don't really care about uh, drivers. Um, uh, this losing the parking, they've given back a few places, but um, losing the parking affects student learning opportunities. There are, park there are places all over the city okay, in um, Terravel, uh, Valencia, and the same response. Merchants and the public say. Thank you, thank you, that's your time. Uh, thank you for your comment. And I see one more. You're trying to speak under general public comment, item nine. Okay. But it doesn't matter. Just very quickly, briefly. Uh, <clears throat> you know what I'm doing here for the city. I'm trying really. Uh, there is no, uh, I can't give up. It's not possible. So you can't stop me. So you have to pay. Nothing is free in this world. You have to pay, otherwise you're going to be unhappy. That's the result of not wanting to pay for what you do. So when you lie, you, be, uh, you end up unhappy, you see? So you lose your reason for being, you have to pay. So for example, when are you starting to pay back the people whom you force to wear a mask? When? Excuse me, okay, what is, okay, here. You, there is nowhere to hide, nowhere to hide. You don't have to believe in God. Just the skies are watching you all the time. They know what you feel, what you do. They won't let you down. You can't hide. So when are you paying? When are you starting to tell the truth? It's not going to be that hard. I mean, it's going to be tough, but okay, that's all I want to say. You can't stop it, so please. You're going to be unhappy if you don't play the game here. Yeah. Have a good day. Okay, thank you. Please call the next item, Secretary Silva. Places you on item number 11, amending the Transportation Code, Division 2, Section 601, to designate full-time transit-only areas on San Jose Avenue, northbound between Broad Street and Niagara Avenue, and southbound between Niagara Avenue and Farallone Street, and approving traffic and parking modifications related to the M Ocean View Transit and Safety Project, including designation of a Class 4 bikeway on 19th Avenue along the Boarding Islands proposed at Sargent Street. Uh, good afternoon, directors. My name is Michael Rhodes, Transit Priority Manager at the SFMTA. Uh, today I'll be presenting on our final proposals for the M Ocean View Transit and Safety Project for your review. 
This was originally presented as an informational item at the November 21st, 2023 board meeting. Um, at that meeting, you gave us direction as staff to continue working with stakeholders at the stop in front of the Salvation Army and to seek a solution that meets their most pressing needs while still achieving our critical safety and accessibility uh, goals. Since then, we've taken your input. We've continued to work with the community to address remaining concerns. Uh, so I'll give you the full project overview again, and I'll finish with an update about our proposal for the stop near Salvation Army that we think will better meet everyone's needs. So the M Ocean View Transit and Safety Project uh, is a Muni Forward capital project on the M Line in the Ocean View neighborhood that aims to improve reliability, customer experience, accessibility, and traffic safety. The project is the uh, area is the M Ocean View line from the Geneva San Jose terminal near Balboa Park Station to the intersection of 19th and Unipero Serra Boulevard. It will benefit 18,000 daily riders on the M Ocean View line, and it supports the Muni service equity strategy since the Ocean View neighborhood is an equity strategy neighborhood. Broadly speaking, uh, there are sort of three main challenges uh, that this quarter faces in terms of transit transportation. Uh, the first category is sort of reliability and customer experience. So there's you know frequent stop signs where the train is stopping. There are a lot of flag stops or stops where we don't have basic boarding uh, facilities. We have a lot of closely spaced train stops um, and we have congestion in some areas that add to delay. Uh, transit stops in general lack basic amenities at a lot of the stops through this corridor, things like signage, lighting, um, shelters, uh, next community, and so forth. Uh, as far as safety, the project area is on the city's high injury network, and many stops for the train require riders to board in the street. Uh, Ten people have been hit in the past five years just getting off and on the train. And finally, in terms of accessibility, there are long gaps between wheelchair accessible stops. As I mentioned um, earlier, we've sought to bring in a very community-driven approach to this project during the design. Uh, starting in spring and summer of 2022, we began an initial public outreach phase that was really a community listening tour. Uh, we, there were no proposals yet at this stage, but instead we met with residents, uh, riders, merchants, and we, we met them where they're at and held a survey to identify community priorities uh, for addressing transportation issues along the corridor. We heard from about 270 survey respondents during this period, and a majority of those respondents were people of color, and about 23% of responses were uh, Chinese language. In summer and fall of 2022, we shared initial high-level concepts that sought to address the top priorities that people had identified in the first phase of outreach. These weren't detailed proposals, uh, but rather general concepts for where we could do things like improve safety at stops or improve travel time through stop spacing changes, for instance, then, in uh, spring of 2023, we shared a first round of detailed proposals. So we gathered feedback on more detailed um, concepts. At this stage, people could see exactly how long a transit bulb might be, for instance, or exactly where we might be proposing to upgrade a crosswalk with continental striping. 
In summer and fall of last year, we shared revised proposals again and held a public hearing. We briefed stakeholders to gather additional feedback, and we held an informational item, as I mentioned here, at the SFMTA board in November to, um, to, to hear the proposals in a public setting. And since November, we've continued to work with community stakeholders, especially the Salvation Army, to address concerns and continue to revise or refine our, our proposals. So here's what we've heard throughout the outreach process. During the initial listening tour, the number one thing we heard from survey respondents is that muni service should be faster and more reliable. Uh, that was the top response for two thirds of respondents. Uh, you know, a quarter of people also said that their top response was that uh, uh, transit stops don't feel safe for pedestrians or that they lack accessibility and basic amenities. We also heard consistently that there were concerns about uh, cars often speeding on San Jose Avenue in this segment, uh, section. We heard that small businesses and other community institutions need parking and loading options in the corridor. Uh, we also heard that stunt driving is a problem at times, especially on Randolph and Broad. And we heard concerns that proposed traffic signals that were part of the proposal uh, could lead to speeding. That was something that came up. We also heard some additional feedback specific to the transit stop, once again, near the Salvation Army on 19th Avenue that I'll speak uh, a bit more to later on. And I will speak to some of the changes that we made based on this feedback a little later in the presentation. So here is a summary of what we're proposing. Transit lanes on San Jose Avenue from Broad to Niagara. Uh, Niagara is the street right next to Geneva. To reduce speeding and improve transit reliability. Wider sidewalks and boarding islands at 15 train stops to provide safe loading and accessible loading. Wheelchair accessible ramps at four stops to enhance access. Transit stop consolidation at three locations to reduce uh, travel time and delay for passengers and bulb outs, refuge islands, stop signs, daylighting, and continental crosswalks to improve uh, safety for people walking. This map summarizes the parking changes that would result from the project improvements. Uh, as you can see, there would be 72 parking spaces removed in net total, which represents about 6% of the overall parking supply uh, within a block of the project area. About 94% of spaces would be retained. Every one of the spaces removed would contribute to improved safety, either by adding a boarding island or transit bulb at a transit stop or by allowing for a pedestrian bulb or other uh, pedestrian safety feature. One important note is that most of the parking impacts are concentrated outside of the commercial core areas of these streets. So they're kind of on the edges of the project area where some of the lower intensity is in terms of uh, commercial activity, not completely, but for the most part, they are kind of separated from that. And to help mitigate the parking impacts, we did a curb use survey that helped us identify solutions, such as loading zones, that would help ensure businesses and institutions can meet their needs. We've also proposed to add back parking through angled parking and other measures wherever feasible uh, within the project area. Community feedback has shaped the project uh, in many ways, both in terms of the original concepts and in the revisions we've made over the past year and more. You know, first, we've sought to keep more parking where possible. For instance, in front of the IT Bookman Center, we made some modifications to the bulb there to save more parking, preserve more parking. Uh, we've added special intersection treatments to help reduce stunt driving, which is something the community identified. Uh, we've looked at the traffic signal timing of the new proposed signals to maximize safety for people walking. Uh, we've uh, decided to keep and propose uh, upgrading stops at Orizaba Broad and Bright Randolph instead of consolidating those stops based on community feedback. And um, we're also accommodating uh, parking and loading at the Salvation Army in this proposal 
while upgrading the stops um, with this, this revised uh, version of the proposal. Uh, not all the parking, but as you'll see later, uh, more of it. And we've made several other changes to the project, such as adding more bulbs to address pedestrian safety concerns and a number of other uh, sort of detailed adjustments. So in, uh, you know, in addition to enhancing safety and accessibility, the project would also address the customer experience, which was one of the key issues we heard during the listening tour. So during the detailed design phase of this project, you know, if this project's approved and we move into design, we plan to engage the community again to get feedback on potential uh, customer experience improvements, such as lighting at stops, uh, seating, shelters, and landscaping. Each of these elements would be designed through a community-driven process to ensure they're meeting community uh, interests and needs. So in addition to that overview of what's proposed, I wanted to highlight three key locations uh, where we're proposing the most extensive upgrades or changes. First is the intersection of Broad and San Jose. Uh, we heard a lot of feedback about this intersection during the listening tour phase, and the goal of this proposal is to transform this intersection from a freeway-style freeway off-ramp, kind of designed to more of a walking-friendly uh, proposal. We're changing, we're proposing new pedestrian bulbs and refuge islands uh, to help reduce crossing distances and slow traffic. And we're also proposing a new stop sign here for northbound San Jose Avenue to aid pedestrians and trains on their way through the intersection. This is a unique case where Muni stops at a stop sign and the cross traffic doesn't. So pretty challenging for trains there. Another key location uh, is the terminal stops on San Jose Avenue near Geneva Avenue, right by Balboa Park Station. So this intersection has been the subject of planning and study for, uh, I won't say, your decades You know, at this point. This has been a community priority for uh, a long time. Uh, as you can see in the photo here, uh, the existing stops lack safe boarding areas for some or all of their train doors. In addition, the existing wheelchair accessible stops here, are they're not convenient in terms of location and they're also not reliable because they're one of them is mechanical, and one of them you have to do a detour all the way to uh, Green Yard or to Bilbao Park Station. We're proposing upgrades to these stops with full boarding platforms and convenient, reliable wheelchair ramps that are going to be working every time you need them. It's been, you know, kind of a design challenge to fit all of these features uh, in this busy and constrained zone, but this proposal should meet those needs and greatly improve conditions uh, for people accessing the M line. Uh, that's especially important as we have a new affordable housing building that has just gone up, um, just opened at this, this intersection. Finally, along the 19th Avenue section of the project area near Junipero uh, Serra, we're seeking to address another of the most challenging issues in the project area. And if you're not familiar, this is the section of 19th Avenue that's not the big state highway portion, but it's kind of the local street uh, after it turns off of uh, the main road here. So as you can see in this photo, the existing inbound stop on 19th Avenue at J. Serra does not have a boarding platform. So passengers are boarding right into a lane of traffic where drivers are kind of eager to get to the signal to get onto 19th Avenue the highway portion there, you know, people have been hit here. We've heard from riders and muni operators that improvements are urgently needed. And it's pretty clear if you see it that they, they definitely are. The outbound stop also lacks a boarding island, so it's also a challenging stop. And to address this, we've been proposing to relocate the stops a block to the south and upgrade them with full boarding islands with accessible ramps. Uh, this is part of the bike network, so a bike lane would also be included uh, since this part of 19th Avenue is it's a bike route that connects SF State and Daly City BART. Uh, and we want to separate bike traffic from kind of muni stops and, and trains. And due to the, the limited geometry and heavy traffic here, it wasn't possible to upgrade the stops in their exact 
existing locations, but we've sought to keep them as close to their original locations as possible. Uh, we've heard a lot of support and a lot of urgency for upgrading this inbound stop in particular, but we've also heard concerns about some of the potential parking impacts uh, with the original proposal, right? So given the location of driveways and some, some of the short blocks here and other challenges, we're pretty limited in where we could place these stops, but we did update the design of the inbound boarding island uh, since November to address the most pressing concerns that, that came up. Uh, what you're seeing here is the original November proposal and and here is the revised proposal. So this preserves three more uh, parking spaces, plus it preserves access to a, you know, parking across a driveway, which is sort of an informal loading space. By shifting the boarding island, this is the east side of the street, the boarding island uh, to the south end of this block and shortening it somewhat while still serving a full two-car train with a wheelchair accessible ramp uh, and allowing for a separated bike lane. So we still, you know, to make this work, we need to restrict left turns from Monticello Street southbound on 19th Avenue. So you'll see that no left, no right turn um, restriction since the boarding island is now far enough south that it would conflict with the right turn. All in all, this revised proposal still meets the project's critical safety and accessibility goals while also meeting the top priorities for the Salvation Army of keeping their front door clear and preserving more parking on the block. Uh, we've also heard from the Salvation Army that they prefer to keep more parking uh, and remove both of the islands or not include either of the islands shown here if possible. But you know, unfortunately, uh, we can't remove these islands from the proposal without major impacts to access uh, for some key institutions here. You know, just north of here, you have the OMI Senior Center, the uh, Wu Yi Children's Center, and the Temple United Methodist Church, as well as Park Merced and connections to the 28 and just everybody who sort of lives up there. So we, th we think this proposal strikes the balance the board directed us to find as a team between addressing concerns from the Salvation Army as much as possible uh, while still meeting these key project goals. Some of the geometry, I should point out, some of the geometry on this proposal is a little tight, uh, but we do think it will work. Uh, we'll know that for certain as we get into the detailed design phase of this project, if it's approved, and we'll certainly return to you as needed if we have any you know, major adjustments that need to be made. But we, th we think it is gonna work. So uh, here are the next steps we anticipate for the project today, SFMTA board review, this summer or spring, uh, depending on shops availability and rain and all of that, we hope to do the quick build version of the proposals if it's approved. We would be in detailed design. We're already in detailed design to some degree now, and you know that would continue through 2025. And full construction would start around January of 2026 on the permanent improvements. So that's stuff like the concrete boarding islands versus just like paint. You know, we might do temporary paint or other quick build improvements, but in terms of hardscape physical changes, that would be uh, 2026. Um, and one new slide, while this project does focus on uh, street level transit improvements in the Ocean View neighborhood, it complements a long range study called the Muni Metro Modernization Core Capacity Planning Study. Uh, this planning study will develop concepts for providing subway quality surface on the M Ocean View outside the tunnel between West Portal and SF State as part of a system-wide package of uh, you know, state of good repair and capacity improvements that's funded through a federal grant. 
You'll be hearing an update about this effort in the coming weeks. Just wanted to flag that this is a different, but you know, kind of coordinated project that's happening. And separately, a study of different design approaches for extending the M Ocean View from SF State to Park Merced and developing infrastructure uh, in that segment for you know running longer trains is also underway. So there's kind of three main things happening right now on the M Ocean View line. Uh, while these other studies are, you know, on longer timelines and they focus on different segments of the M, uh, then today's project, our project team is coordinating closely with all of these uh, related efforts. So this is what you're voting on today. Um, transit lanes on San Jose Avenue also allow taxis and left turns. Boarding islands at nine locations on 19th Avenue and San Jose Avenue. Four new wheelchair accessible ramps. Transit bulbs at six locations on Randolph and Broad. Transit stop changes on 19th and uh, San Jose Avenues, transit or traffic signals with transit priority at two locations on Randolph Street, bike lanes on 19th Avenue, left turn only requirement uh, for southbound Monticello at 19th Avenue that I mentioned, and uh, a variety of pedestrian safety measures along the corridor as well. All right, so thank you very much, directors, uh, and of course, happy to answer any questions that you have today. Thank you so much. Um, colleagues, I'd like to go to, if it's okay with you, go to public comment first and then have our board discussion on this item. So I will open it up for public comment for anyone in the room on item 11. Hello, I'm Major Matt Madsen with Salvation Army, and I want to say it's been a pleasure working, working with these folks. They've been very accommodating. It's, it's a difficult thing to try and make everything fit. Um, as far as the Salvation Army property, it's, it is going negative to Im negatively impact what we do. Um, we're trying to serve the community, but we will be having some, some spaces taken up there, and they've done, they've done their best to try and save parking. Um, I do want to make sure it's on the record that uh, there is a portion of our property it's going to force us to move things uh, around so that we can still do our food pantries and people can come in and out of our church services that we have at that facility. Um, there's going to be some fencing that we're going to need to move around and that, I'd like that to be in consideration. Um, as part of, part of the, the construction is just displacing the flow of things that, that happens there. And so um, just want that to be on the record. Uh, we want to support the community. We want to support our neighbors in that area. But it is a hardship for us, so we wanted to, to make that point. So thank you. Okay, thank you for being here. Next speaker, please. Thank you, directors. I'm Dylan Fabers with, Dylan Fabers with San Francisco Transit Riders, uh, just here today to urge you to approve the proposals before you today. Uh, the changes will bring significant safety improvements uh, as well as frequency improvements to the 18,000 riders who rely on the M Ocean View each day. Um, and would also like to just spend some time to commend staff for the outreach that they've done to uh, come up with the compromise here that uh, works for everyone and still maintains those important safety features for transit riders. Um, you know, ultimately, this is a transit and safety project. Uh, so we should be focused on that and not preserving parking spaces. Um, I think this is a good kind of compromise that meets transit riders' needs and also the needs of the local community. Um, so, yes, thank you uh, for the work. We look forward to, to working more on this uh, as it goes on, making more stops accessible. Um, 
working with you all to figure out what the, um, uh, what, uh, you know, accessories should be added to the, to the stops and all of that. But, uh, thank you to staff, uh, for the work and encourage the board to approve. Thank you. Make sure to comment. Next speaker, please. Afternoon, directors. My name is Cyrus Hall, sustainable tra transportation advocate here in the city. Uh, I am here to support the project. Uh, this project, as you've heard, is going to improve service and safety along the route. You've heard about the increase in accessibility that more ramp stops uh, is going to bring and how bulb outs and large stops and traffic lights and safety zones will increase safety for riders, pedestrians, and other street users. I wanna highlight two things uh, that didn't make the staff presentation. First, improved lighting at stops, particularly at night. This is something that this board has talked about multiple times. Uh, there is uh, an initial project within the agency to improve lighting at stops, and uh, this project is an opportunity to see that in action. This will help riders feel and be safer at night and more likely to ride the train at night, increasing uh, transit use. Second, as a member of the Muni Metro Community Working Group, I wanna make it clear that it's vital that we improve the speed and reliability of surface running in order to increase the capacity of Muni Metro long-term. Installing these traffic signals at critical intersections and painting the transit-only lanes sets the conditions for success for the train control upgrade project, a project that you're gonna hear a lot more about in the coming years. And that will enable the system-wide control of LRV spacing such that trains hit the tunnel on a more regular cadence, such that there is not queuing as they enter the tunnel, which will give us in long-term more capacity as the city grows. I would love to see the agency move towards more dedicated protected right-of-ways, but this is a great step in that direction with the transit-only lane on San Jose Avenue. So I urge the board to approve the project today. It will allow the agency to move forward with the initial quick build, which will bring pedestrian safety improvements this year, and then the bigger capital project in 2026. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Good afternoon, members of the board. Chair Eakin. My name is Chance Boretsky. I'm also here as a member of San Francisco Transit Riders, and uh, I take the M line twice a week. So as you can understand, the safety concerns there are pretty... <laughs> they weigh pretty heavily on my mind. I, I don't want to have to get off the train into traffic. And ultimately, the, the unimproved stops along this line really, really stand out in a bad way compared to some of the other substantial improvements that we're seeing on other muni lines. So I think this is really due. Um, and I'm here to urge you to move this forward. However, coincidentally enough, I also volunteer every Tuesday morning at the food pantry uh, that the Salvation Army conducts there. So as you can imagine, that made this a rather interesting speech to plan out. Um, I appreciate the fact that the geometry there is not ideal. Ultimately, the grade of the streets around there makes it difficult to use any other side of that property for loading access. I think this compromise is certainly progress, but it does make things difficult for their weekly use case of you know, parking a 10-foot delivery truck you know, out front of the property near their, their fenced-off loading area. It's not really practical to pull that truck in. And the arrangement as it's currently set up would either mean parking in the bike lane, potentially pulling through the bike lane. Those three parking spaces would only be accessible through the bike lane. So that's not really a fantastic situation. And I'm not here with the perfect solution, but I certainly do hope to see continued attention paid to working out the best possible compromise uh, as we move into the detailed design phase for that. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for your comment. 
Any other speakers in the room for item 11? Okay, seeing none, could you go to those who have requested accommodation for remote? Very good. First speaker, you've been unmuted. This is Herbert Weiner. One of my concerns is about the removal of the bus stops at Farallon and Second uh, Avenue, and also um, the removal uh, at Mount Vernon Street at Jose Avenue. Um, I think every bus stop valuable, and people who are physically impaired or have a difficult time accessing the bus, the streetcar, excuse me. Also, I wonder about the wisdom of running uh, the app through Parkmer's bed. Um, and also, how will this affect uh, disability? So, some of my concerns. I don't believe that the removal of bus stops is constructive to public transportation. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Um, thank you again, uh, Chair Amanda Eakin. Uh, Alita Dupree, for the record, she and her with Team Folds. Uh, I think this is a good project. I read through the material. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing four new accessible boarding stations on this line. Uh, I, I think overall, system-wide, we need more ADA uh, boarding stations um, uh, so people don't have travel as far. I wish they all were ADA accessible, maybe someday. Um, I use the M line on occasion. It's a really great way to get between Bard at Balboa Park and the Stonestown Galleria. Those are two places that I find myself. And this should hopefully help to speed up uh, service along the line. Um, I mean, this is all about transit first and uh, using Muni and anything that will help me to access the line more easily and to give me a quicker, more safe service in the high injury network, I support. I think this is a good plan. Hope to use the M line more uh, during my times uh, in San Francisco. Uh, because the Stonestown neighborhood is, is evolving and uh, the, the Galleria has a lot of places to eat and that's going to bring a lot of traffic in. And uh, 30 so, seconds. Uh, yeah, I hope you approve this. Thank you. Thank you. No further speakers. Okay, we'll close public comment on item 11 and I'll open it up to discussion among the board. What comments or questions do you have? Actually, Director, Director Hinsey um, has, has raised her hand in the queue. So I want I you to go ahead, Director Hinsey. I'll go with you. Um, yeah, um, just a couple questions. First of all, I'm very appreciative of uh, the accessible boarding islands, as I said, and I, and I really do appreciate uh, staff trying to incorporate hard <clears throat> feedback that you heard from last time and trying to uh, work with um, IT Bookman and some of the stakeholders around there, because I do know that um, the accessible stop is uh, very important for them, and they they do um, think 
that the M ha uh, has a lot of barriers for improvement. And so we having an accessible stop to them will be close, uh, will be a good step for them to there. Um, since it did come up twice during our public comment, uh, accessibility to the Salvation Army food pantry, I'm thinking particularly during construction, is there anything we can do to, to help um, facilitate that during the construction phase since that's gonna be pretty, uh, phase is gonna be pretty long. Hi, Director Henze. Um, yes, yeah, so we will definitely work very closely with Salvation Army. We would work very closely with them during uh, detail design to work through both any kind of longer term uh, loading needs that they have that the project might, you know, uh, change and as well as coordinating on construction and ensuring that they have a, you know, strong workable loading option uh, throughout the duration of construction that we also make that duration as short as possible. Okay, great. And then, um, since one of our, our commenters brought it up, I know you talked to me in our, our briefing a little bit about uh, lighting along this corridor and that project that our public commenter referenced as this being a prime op opportunity. And I know we talked about beautification along the line with the project um, at, your, at your last appearance for us. So um, if you wanted to talk a little bit about that, uh, I think that would be good. Sure, so Muni is uh, undertaking a, or MTA, the SFMTA is undertaking a broader effort to uh, enhance lighting at, um, at bus stops where it's needed and transit stops where it's needed. And we're in the kind of early phase of that. It's part of our, you know, um, part of both the sort of addressing rider security needs and equity in general. This project provides an opportunity for sort of a pilot or first chance to try out that program in a specific location. We're already doing construction here, so that makes it easier to incorporate, you know, delivery of things like lighting. And, and the things that we need to pilot are what is the right lighting brightness? What is the right technology? There's a lot of different, um, you know, if you look at other transit operators, there's a lot of different technologies they're using for light, a lot of different um, styles of lighting. So uh, we also have to figure out how do we work through getting power to that light? You know, there's plenty of challenges. So we're, we're using this as an opportunity both to work that out so we can learn for the rest of that program, but also to get the benefits on the ground in this key equity strategy neighborhood uh, as soon as possible. So definitely something we're uh, planning to incorporate. We don't know the exact locations yet, but we are starting to look into that. Thank you. Over, um, so Madam Chair, overall, I'm very supportive of the project. Um, I think it balances pedestrian safety and transit needs. Uh, so pending further discussion, I'm happy to make a motion at the appropriate time. Thank you, Director Enzi, that's great. I will go um, just welcome Director So, let you know we have concluded the staff presentation and public comment now we're in board discussion on this item 11. Uh, Director Henderson, please. <clears throat> thank you, Chair. I, um, and thank you to the staff. I, I think that um, I am really impressed about, by the way this project was presented and uh, that you worked with the, the community and worked through different iterations to figure out what um, the best alignment would be to meet the needs of the MTA, but also the, the community members that have property um, on the route. And so 
this came up, I brought this up before um, in a briefing or maybe in a conversation, um, but it also came up in public comment in one of the letters we received. And so I thought it would be helpful just to hear one of the suggestions um, was to just have a sort of stop sign on the back of the um, LRV and that says stop instead of building out these platforms um, and like sort of like a school bus. And um, I understand that that is not the safest or the most effective way to make sure that the pedestrians and the people who are loading onto the vehicles um, are protected and safe. But I just wanted to give you an opportunity to sort of explain why that is not um, uh, an option that's being considered. Thank you, Director Henderson. Uh, absolutely. So, uh, you know, this has come up at other locations where we have, um, you know, similar conditions on our light rail network. And uh, one of the most notable locations was on Terraval Street, where um, every, pretty much every stop on Terraval lacked a, a boarding island. We had 24 people hit in five years. So we said, what, what can we do to improve the safety here? And um, we, you know, because that was such a large corridor and there were going to be so many locations we'd have to upgrade, we did agree to a pilot on that project back in 2016 of um, could we try adding signage? Could we, could we do huge markings on the roadway, you know, that indicate where the passenger zones are? We put up variable message signs ahead of the stop. So it's sort of in your face. Um, you know, we tried to pair it with enforcement too. And we did a whole study of whether compliance with the requirement to stop, you know, for, for vehicles to stop when the trains stop and are loading. Um, and we, we, we found that, you know, before the study, it was about 70% of drivers would stop when a train is stopped. And after the study, you know, all, after all these pilot improvements were made, it, it really didn't change. We didn't really see an improvement. So, you know, unfortunately, after, even after sort of throwing the kitchen sink at, at it in terms of everything you can do short of a physical boarding platform, uh, we, we just weren't able to see an improvement in compliance. I think we've, the drivers who are gonna follow the law were following the law before and they followed the law after and unfortunately kind of remain the case after we made those types of improvements. So we think here, you know, given that experience, um, it's, it's unlikely that uh, we could achieve this without proper you know, boarding facilities. Thank you, that's, that's really helpful. And I just have to say, as someone who um, took the M many a day to go uh, <laughs> shopping um, <laughs> and hang out at the mall, um, I just wanna say that this is probably 30 years uh, in the making. Mm. And um, really great job to, to you and the team for um, coming up with, I think, something that will be um, so incredibly helpful to make sure that people can access the different you know facilities and amenities in the in the neighborhood and 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 use our um, use our our system and just make sure that we're protecting um, protecting our pedestrians and the and 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 really pr protecting um, bicyclists and and also people who are driving as well because I think we all want to make sure that we're avoiding any potential accidents and I I just I think that this um, this project is the the full circle nature that you all have have come is is just really impressive and i um i'm happy to to second it when when we get to that point thank you director henderson director kahina please thank you madam chair um 
great report, Michael. <laughs> um, and I, I just really want to also commend you on the staff report. It was incredibly robust, especially the community outreach and engagement piece. Um, all the numbers that were included. All, I, I'm looking at you because I know you did that. <laughs> all the different numbers and stats that were included, um, those were going to be my follow-up questions. How many you know, folks of Chinese language descent responding to those surveys, how many folks are Spanish speakers, you included all of that. So I just, I'm naming that to name a standard for future staff reports, that that would be wonderful to keep noting um, for future staff that present. Um, so really, really impressed with that. Um, also want to thank you, uh, Michael and team, for working with neighbors to troubleshoot a lot of the issues that were flagged at our last meeting. Um, and commending just the team on, on just their outreach and engagement for the folks there. Um, I did have a question on the suite of quick build improvements that are gonna be included in that first phase. Um, would you mind walking me through that, Michael? What are some of the features that are gonna be part of the launching pad of the implementation of the project? Absolutely, so thank you, Director Hina. Um, so, you know, we typically try to do everything we can as you know possible within, within reason to during the quick build so that, for one thing, just to um, then three years from now when we start construction, people aren't like, oh, why are you moving that parking? Like we, we, get, the, we get the changes on the ground and, and do it while it's still really fresh in everyone's mind. So to, to that end, we would definitely look at everywhere that we're looking at doing a boarding island or a uh, bulb. We'll look at doing sort of a painted version of that to start with. So at least people won't be stepping off the train into parked cars or into a travel lane. They'll at least be stepping into a kind of clear uh, safety zone during that period. Uh, we would certainly be looking to stripe the transit-only lanes uh, during, you know, during the quick build phase. Uh, we would, you know, make any sort of turn restriction changes, any any circulation changes, uh, just to get those into place. Pretty much, you know, stop relocation um, changes would happen at that time. I think the one thing that we just wouldn't be able to do in quick build is is anything concrete. We will we will do the footprint, right? But we to get the actual physical changes will be a um, more of a permanent change. And in terms of, um, so around the signage, um, looking at Monticello and Sargent, um, since there's not going to be a right turn um, in that area, um, sorry, not Monticello, and, and well, in the, so I'm wondering if there's a way to kind of like, uh, I guess, cue to folks, cue to drivers that there won't be a right turn. Um, as they um, approach that intersection, just so it's a really tricky intersection there. And so wondering if that's, um, if you're already looking into that type of signage there. So I guess it's Monticello and 19th, um, where the right turn's going to be restricted. But if there's a way to like cue folks ahead of time, a block up to say like, hey, there's no um, right turns here. So take sergeant instead, or you know, just something there. Um, because I can anticipate that there's still going to be a lot of folks that make want to make that right turn and just trying to figure out how do we help them make the right decision um, as they um, become, as they um, perform as drivers in the streets. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And I think that we could look into whether we could add signage that says, you know, access to 19th Avenue, use next, I won't come up with the language on the spot, but yeah, there, <laughs> there, there are, there, we can, we will definitely be exploring how to yeah. make that sort of user-friendly for people who are driving there. Thank you. Um, and let's see, I have a whole list of things here. Um, some of the features that um, I think you mentioned in slide nine, I want to say, um, potential features at stops. Um, so there's lighting, seating, shelters, landscaping. 
Um, is that currently um, priced out in this project? Is it included as part of the funding for this project, or is are you would you be seeking separate funding for that? We hope to include it in the current, uh, you know, in the current budget. But if we were able to seek, for instance, grant funding for it, then we could add even more of it, right? So the the more funding that we can find, the more stops we can do, and the more features we can we can add. But we do think even with the baseline budget, um, you know, most of the things that are listed in that uh, in that table, we could we do plan to incorporate. So. Um... I guess with the baseline budget, what's already budgeted for that? So this project for construction is funded through a state greenhouse gas reduction grant called uh, the TIRCP, and that is uh, $20 million for the construction budget for the for the corridor. So the seating, the landscaping, shelters, lighting, there's some of that is already baked into this particular um, funding source? Yes, and we're, you know, as we get into detailed design, that's when we get more reliable cost estimates, you know, for projects and understand if there's value engineering of one sort or another that we need to do. But we do currently plan to um, deliver that within the, the $20 million budget. Um, do you know if, um, for instance, have you ever used like add back funding to support with some of those treatments? I think that kind of thing would be very helpful. We have done things like that in the past. And um, Certainly, the more that we have, the I think the more full featured it can be. So, yeah, that would be a, definitely the kind of opportunity to be interested in. I think um, we have. Well, that area has um, a lot of um, active neighbors and a lot of folks that um, are very well organized. And so, I, I would imagine that that would be a funding source that they would be interested in learning more about um, and seeing that as an option to to expand the level of seating, lighting, and landscaping, and improvements to the different shelters that. Could enhance the project, um, so would encourage. I don't know if staff can circle back with them on that. That would be great. I don't know if we can, but <laughs> that'd be great. Um, and then uh, let's see. I think I had one last one. Um, construction mitigation. So um, this is mostly just as a, an exploration based on the feedback that we heard during public comment. Um, just trying to get a, a sense of um, the threshold of impacts we're going to. Um, that this community is going to feel um, with some of the construction that we do, um, the um, more involved construction, um, and wondering if this project would be a candidate to be considered as within the suite of services that we have set aside for the construction mitigation program. So, you know, just more um, uh, promotion of the commercial corridor, you know, all the different things that we do under that program. Wondering if this corridor would qualify for that. I would I would think so. Um, the good news that this is this project is doesn't include re-railing and you know some of the other utility work that can make projects really impactful. And I think the impacts are going to be localized in like a few months while we build a bulb at an intersection and then move on somewhere else. But nonetheless, that's you know a few months of heavy disruption in front of your business is is still a pretty big impact. So we would definitely want to take advantage of any opportunities we have to promote businesses and 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 take advantage of that program. And who, who actually manages that, that program right now within our organization? Is it communications or? Um, it's typically communications. There's also a role for the chief strategy office. Um, as you know, our construction mitigation program is scaled according to the intensity of impacts. Correct. But we're also uh, collaborating right now with the Office of Economic and Workforce Development on a, on a larger strategy with all of the agencies that build stuff in the street about how what is the citywide role in making sure that small businesses 
uh, survive construction periods, knowing that there's a lot of construction that is going to be necessary to upgrade, particularly failing underground in infrastructure. That's great that you mentioned OEWD because this is an invested neighborhoods corridor. And so I, I do think that there's some um, partnership there to leverage when it pertains to supporting small businesses there. Um, and they do have a dedicated project manager or program manager rather um, that supports businesses there. So I, I, I think it would be great to include them as part of um, as you start implementing the project or even now in the planning phase. Um, working with them in tandem to understand how best to support businesses throughout that um, period of time. I'm um, neighbors too, not just businesses. Um, and uh, lastly, I just wanted to um, give you a shout out as well um, for the design solution on San Jose and Geneva. That is the trickiest intersection. <laughs> I don't know, one of the trickiest intersections that we have in the city. And it's, I'm just really, um, in awe of what you guys were able to accomplish there um, because it is a really, really challenging intersection. Um, so many different stakeholders use that intersection. So many different bus lanes intersect. So many different populations intersect there. So I just really want to commend the team for the work they did there because it, it's a very, very challenging intersection to design for. And I do think that um, the team did the best job that they could there. Thank you. And I'm the presenter today, but there's definitely a whole project team that um, I agree deserves a lot of appreciation for what they've done here. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Uh, Vaishar Kahina, Director Tarloff. Thank you, Chair Eakin. Um, so uh, my question relates to slide seven um, and uh, the parking. And, and part of this is, is uh, for my learning. But uh, you mentioned uh, the addition of angled parking. Um, is that is that uh, near the intersection of Fairlands, or or where I see the the biggest uptick? That's right. Yeah, where you see the plus four, plus five numbers. Those are, um, I believe, those are where angled parking are being um, is being proposed to be added. There's also one location. Um, at Mount Vernon where the parking restoration comes from removing an existing boarding island because we're removing the transit stop. But otherwise, uh, yes, I think where you see the plus numbers is, is where angle parking would be. All right, thank you. And then um, just regarding um, uh, the calculation for uh, the number of parking spaces or the percentage that's uh, being preserved, um, the, so it's within a one-block radius, the, uh, the parking that remains untouched. Can you give me just a ballpark number of, of, those, um, of, of those untouched parking um, uh, Yes, yes. I think we, um, it, it's, uh, what's 72 divided by point? Those, I, it's you know several hundred. I think our project mm -hmm. team, if they have it, could bring it up and tell me. But it's you know five, six hundred uh, parking spaces. Right. Okay. Thank you. Um, that's that's helpful information. And uh, finally, I'd, I'd just like to uh, say that um, regarding the the collaborative effort with the Salvation Army, um, I you know I I hear how difficult that has been, and I. Um, uh, and I appreciate the uh, uh, the uh, the importance of um, prioritizing the work that they're that they're doing there, and um, how, in particular, the the food pantry and the you know the amount of um, 
of uh, coordination and, infra and infrastructure that's that's happening there uh, needs to be taken into account. And it sounds like there's been, you know, a, a pretty um, significant effort expended on on that score. And um, you know, I, I hope that um, as the the project proceeds, because um, I'm I'm generally um, in in favor of of this project that there'll be, um, you know, further tweaks that could be um, discovered and, uh, and that the collaborative partnership that seems to have developed will, you know, will continue and, um, and, uh, and you know, end up with a, a better result as, as, you know, after all that. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Great. Um, I just have a question around um, transit only lanes. This was raised in public comment, sort of moving towards continuous protected and dedicated rights of way for our transit vehicles. And so we have a portion of the project area on San Jose that's going to receive a transit only lane, but it looks like the majority of the space is not going to receive a transit only lane. Is that right? Section on 19th, Randolph Broad, that will continue to have private vehicles accessing the transit lane. So just curious if one if I have that right and two sort of how how that decision was made or are those not seen to be places where traffic is getting in the way of transit functioning yeah that's a great question and obviously ideally we would have the entire rail network separated uh, in dedicated lanes the, the reason that the San Jose section has transit lanes proposed and the other sections don't is mostly that San Jose does have two lanes available in each direction and so there's there's room to do the track lane as a dedicated facility. Randolph and Broad are kind of narrow neighborhood commercial and residential serving streets that, uh, you know, might be able to do a transit lane if you took 100% of the parking, got rid of all the transit bulbs, completely cleared the curb lane to create another travel lane. But, you know, we, we felt like that would probably not be a great solution in terms of balancing neighborhood needs. And, you know, we also, there, there's not a huge amount of traffic related delay on those segments is the other the other big thing. Uh, Director Stowe. Thank you, Chair Egan. Um, I apologize that I show up a little bit um, late and I just miss your amazing presentation. And um, But I read all your report and I was listening in on my way over here for some of these public comments. Um, this is a really challenging project, and I really appreciate the staff work so closely with our communities who are at stake and try to, and also really appreciate our communities, uh, including Salvation Army and everybody else in that corridor, understanding the challenges that we face and try to find the optimum result that we all can live with and in the future will save lives in the long run. Really appreciate everyone. And um, it is going to be a continual evolution of process that we will keep learning and try to pivot and if we need to. Um, this is amazing. I love the slide. The graphics are great, really easy to understand. And thank you for all the patience, the entire team you have worked with you. And one thing I do actually ask not that it's part of this, but um, just looking at all these improvements of. Um, the streets and creating all the bulb and um, the landing, the boarding island, has it 
change the, or would you anticipate a change of speed limits on this entire strip of the green line? Um, do you mean uh, reducing the speed limit potentially? Um, or just by naturally um, the change of the environment, the design of the environment had result in a, or just organically uh, may enhancing the certain type of behavior that will be increasingly more safe to, instead of like enforcing it, but it's just like, do you anticipate this will actually become the evolution of like a behavior? What are the speed limits now and what would you anticipate it will be? So that is certainly the goal of a lot of the features here. For instance, the transit lanes on San Jose Part of that is about transit reliability, but part of that is about taking what's really excess roadway capacity, which encourages faster driving when you have more space, mm -hmm. uh, and bringing that down to something closer to what is probably needed for the traffic volumes there. And we certainly would expect that to, the goal of that is to reduce the average, you know, and top speeds that we're seeing there. And similarly, by adding boarding islands and other sort of elements to the street, that does tend to cause people to need to slow a bit down as they're driving. and. Um, you know, stop signs are being added a couple locations, which certainly requires people to come to a stop legally. So um, I, I couldn't say exactly how much reduction that's going to be, but it's absolutely uh, a, a key part of the safety part of this project or a goal of this project is to reduce speed. And I think most of the speed limit is 25 on Broad and Randolph and San Jose is either 25 or 30. Um, but certainly the goal is wherever it's at right now um, to change driver behavior to be uh, slower and safer. Thank you for reinforcing that. And I'm also seconding uh, what our vice chair Kahina mentioning about uh, making sure that we have some, well, I think we are working on it with uh, Director uh, Tomlin mentioned that work with our other agency to focusing on uh, helping to come up with some resources that we can help the local businesses and merchants when our constructions are impacted, uh, their uh, line of business. Hope that anything we can do to help alleviate that outreach a lot in advance to inform them this is coming and also allow and give them some easier way to find ways to get some resources they can get assistance. Yeah, we will definitely be taking that. Uh, that, that, that feature, I think that's something we would have planned on, but I think maybe we'll accelerate it even more in terms of reaching out to OEWD and other agencies to, to make that connection now and, and hopefully use this as an opportunity to promote the corridor and you know, support what they're doing there. Thank you. Thank you, Director. So um, I don't have any few, uh, further questions. I just wanted to, again, thank you um, for demonstrating respect and responsiveness to community members. It's nice to hear that community members are feeling heard um, and that you're trying in earnest to problem solve around the concerns that are being raised. So that's exactly how we want SFMDA to be showing up in communities. It's really, really great to hear. Um, thank you for that work and thank you for the thorough staff report. Um, and I think we have a motion on the table from Director Hensey and we have a second from Director Hemminger, so unless there's any further comments, I can ask for a roll call. On the motion to approve, Director Hemminger. Aye. Hemminger, aye. Director Henderson. Aye. Henderson, aye. Director Hinsey. Aye. Hinsey, aye. Director So. Aye. So, aye. Director Tarlov. Aye. Tarlov, aye. Director Kahina. Aye. Kahina, aye. Chair Egan. Aye. Egan, aye. Thank you. That item is approved and concludes the business before you today. Okay.
That concludes our business. We will adjourn, and our next meetings are uh, February 20th and March the 5th. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.